Welcome back to Energetically You. I'm your host, Megan Swan, a wellness coach and consultant. I'm the founder of Megan Swan Wellness and a sustainable integrated wellness approach. This is a podcast where we focus on healthy habits, abundant mindset, and optimal wellness, all in hopes of getting us to a more aligned and empowered place. Today, I'm excited to interview Tanya Cole Lesnick. She has been a psychotherapist and coach since 1995. She received her master's in social work from New York University after group therapy changed her life. This is really what we're going to kind of focus on today are the benefits and fears around doing group work. So excited. She has extensive experience in outpatient hospital mental health, private practice, and wellness center settings. For those experiences over the years, she has identified her most important focus, helping people to clear energetic clutter so that they can focus on what matters most to them. Amazing. She does this by helping clients to access and honor their truth, to change habits that don't serve them, and to heal faulty narratives so that they are living in alignment inside and out. Her work revolves around a combination of intimate therapeutic groups and individual sessions as the sharing of inner worlds and being human together in a safe space and a chance to process whatever comes up separately until clients are ready to share those details in the group is an incredibly powerful combination that leads to lasting transformation. Amazing. So let's dive in. Welcome, Tanya. I'm so excited to have you here and to get to know you better. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey on and how you got into how you got to where you are today in, in the way that you think makes the most sense for your current current place. Yeah, sure. So um, I actually started my career as a graphic designer. And oh, really? yeah, so during that time when I was in my mid 20s, I was really longing for a long term love relationship and it wasn't happening for me. And I didn't understand what was in the way and wanted to start to explore that. I did not immediately go towards the idea of therapy because I think at that time I did feel a lot of stigma and saw it as something that was maybe for other people, but perhaps my problems were not quite legit enough for therapy. Mm -hmm. But with a few sort of things as my life was evolving, finally did go towards the idea of therapy and started to work with a woman who also ran a group, group therapy. And so pretty early on, she suggested that I add group therapy to the mix. And so I did a combination of working with her individually and group as well. Mm. That process changed my life so significantly that I actually left my career as a graphic designer and went back to school, became a therapist and have been dedicating my life to helping other people have transformation um, in their life towards whatever it is that they want most of all for the past, it's been more than 27 years now. So Wow. Well, so can you tell us a little bit more about your personal healing journey and like what was the blockage, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. So I went into the 
group and the therapeutic experience really feeling pretty flawed. I felt like the reason why I wasn't connecting to somebody for a long-term love relationship was because there was something wrong with me. And Mm. what happened in that process is I, in the group situation, started to connect to people who had insecurities of their own, but I could see how amazing they were. And so starting to realize, oh, excuse me, some of those insecurities were not really about any of us. It was about the human condition Mm -hmm. and started to learn about myself and what it meant to have needs and what the impact of having grown up in the family that I grew up in, what the impact of that was and learning all different kinds of things was so helpful. And then it impacted how I showed up in the world. So I, when I stopped feeling so flawed, I was much more comfortable in how I kind of connected to other people and then noticed that other people were starting to gravitate more towards me. I did meet my husband early on when I was in the group situation and we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. So that part happened. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So that part happened. We have two grown daughters. But what I didn't anticipate was connecting to myself in the way that I did, really being able to feel some love for myself in a way that I couldn't experience before then. And um being able to honor who I am and what that means and choose a life that really is in alignment with that. That was the part I didn't expect. So as that started to become more and more how I lived my life, finding my voice, making some decisions about that, speaking some truth, even if it's uncomfortable, practicing that in the group and then bringing it to my world outside of the group. Mm. Amazing. So can you, kind of describe what this looks like I'm sure there's like a range of of versions of it but because when you say group I'm thinking like AA or something like honestly like mental hospital you know these things that we see and I'm sure at the same time like um, I have held a lot of sort of sacred circles for women and like on a and I'm sure it's like kind of somewhere in the middle there so can you paint a picture of what's involved in the group therapy. Yeah. So, excuse me, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat here. Excuse me. Um, So the group that I attended is quite different than the way I run my groups today. So I can tell you a little bit about both and how they differ. The group that I participated in that was so life-changing for me, I remember very much the therapist in the group would sit quietly with her head almost down, not all the way down, but almost down, waiting for the group members to start to talk. And then it was on us to start to say what was going on for us and find our voice and be able to connect to each other and all of that. And she would intervene here and there if it felt like it would be helpful for her to intervene. But she really left a lot of that up to us to start to connect. And that group was full of very high functioning people. A lot of, I would say everybody in the group had some career that they were pretty successful in. And so 
the overlap. I used to try to um, come to what the overlap might be with all of that us. And I think there was a certain level of inner critic that we were all working on um, conditioning that we each had from our own childhoods that we were all working on maybe some level of anxiety that was in the way, but not so intense that it was the overarching thing. It was just a piece of what we were bringing to that. Um, So that was the group that I was in then. And the way that I run my groups now is more structured. I, at the moment, I'm only working with women in my groups, but I'm opening up to possibly expanding that. And the, I often offer people a topic for that session. So it's much more structured than the group that I was in. And the topics are always related to being somehow being human. The topic that I'm offering this week is your inner critic. And how do you, what's your inner critic saying to you these days? How do you handle it? What might be a value that your inner critic is offering you? And that kind of gets us going on a conversation. And usually what happens is they bring in what's going on now currently in their lives. And we support each other as everybody's journeying towards what they want and the goals that they have set for themselves. And um, yeah, and if there's anything pressing or anything that somebody does want to share about their journey, we have this accountability piece because we're all together. We celebrate each other. We celebrate progress made. Um, So, and I actually just added a WhatsApp chat to my group because they've really talked about wanting a little extra chance to connect with each other during the week. So very different from the group that I was a part of in those days. Back in the day, we were not allowed to have a relationship outside of group. It wasn't something we had to sign a contract about that. I don't have that kind of a rigid guideline with that because I think these connections are so powerful. Okay, so many follow-up questions. Um, First, because you just touched on it, do you think that because you are sort of between the worlds of psychotherapy and coaching, is is that shifting? How are you seeing it opening as I'm guessing where it's going is being less dogmatic? I don't know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is shifting for me. I'm realizing for myself and my work that I lean more towards the coaching work. It feels like it's always been a more natural fit for me and starting to understand what's the value that my 27 years of history in as a psychotherapist can um, bring to the work that I do and inform the work that I do, but where is it too limiting and too confining and really moving towards coaching the, the tool that I use that I lead with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's imagine because I, I mean, I've always loved group work. And, you know, I'm a relatively public person. I'm very introverted, but I always have been very public and, you know, not shy in, in, in a lot of ways. What do you say to someone who you're working with? They're like completely against the idea or deathly afraid of, you know, 
appearing or being vulnerable uh, or speaking, you know, something that they haven't worked out with anyone except you in public or in this group first. Yeah. Happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It takes, it does take um, some convincing often when I'm working with somebody to let them know that I think group work would be really helpful addition to the work that they're doing. And I'm trying to get better at even explaining some of the benefits that I see. Why do I think that that would be more powerful to add that in? So often I do get a lot of resistance. I actually made a little documentary that lives on my website of my own story about how group therapy changed my life. And so now I have that as a tool that I can offer to people. And I think when they see sort of me speaking about it from such an authentic place, because it was such a pivotal time in my life and it really impacted me in such a huge way I think it helps people feel a little bit less afraid and um, I have had this situation where I've talked to people about doing group for a while and they resist resist and then get into group and they're like oh okay now I get it (laughs) so I think that there is some reality to people are going to be ready when they're ready and there's often a leap of faith part of it where like what happened with me when I agreed to join the group, I was terrified at the idea of it, but I was building trust with this therapist. So I decided that I trusted her. There was a part of me that was intrigued. So I, I went for it with a lot of apprehensive thoughts. Um, so yeah. I, well, think- I imagine you're given the space to sort of, just be a witness at first and you know you're not obligated to open up at any given point I mean it's all voluntary right absolutely and that's the other thing right that nobody needs to share anything that they're not ready to share I think that people do find fairly early on that it feels good the connections feel good I pride myself in creating a safe space and that there is a certain level of communication that happens there that's different than what happens in the rest of the world, but I, uh, in the re- you know, that usually that different than what happens publicly in places that are not as sacred. So I think when people notice that there is some comfort amongst the members, because I, I do kind of right now, I allow people to join a group that already exists. So some of the people already know each other and some people don't, which can be a little bit off-putting to people. But on the other hand, it is parallel to what happens in real life outside Mm -hmm. of group where you're maybe connecting to a group of people who already know each other and what's that like. And so if somebody new is coming in to a group and getting to know some people that have already been having this experience together, they can witness a certain comfort level and a certain trust in each other. And it doesn't mean they have to go there before they're ready, but I think it helps them start to feel like it's a safe, really feel in their bodies that it's a safe space. Mm -hmm. Can you break down for us a little bit uh, from a psychological perspective, like on the one hand, why, you know, it's like one of the most common fears speaking in public in general, and then like something about, very personal and vulnerable it's even worse uh and at the same time that as humans you know it's so powerful and healing for us to feel 
seen and heard and understood. Yeah. It's, um, well, people are, are terrified about it, um, for sure. And I think people say, well, I don't want to share all my stuff with strangers. But what they don't realize is how quickly they don't stay strangers. You know, they start to develop relationships with these people. And then it's different. So there is that. Um, I was just sharing with you briefly that I just came back from a retreat that I went on and I did a lot of my own personal growth work on this retreat. And even though I've dedicated my life to doing this work and I've done this many, many times over in terms of allowing myself to go to those vulnerable places and sharing that in a group, it is not easy to do. It's very painful because I think we're showing the parts of ourselves that we're not thrilled about. And that can be hard to do. I think there's a fear maybe that if somebody sees those parts of ourselves, they're, they're not going to love us or we're not going to be able to connect to people. And then the reverse happens. I think when I shared some of my vulnerable things, people said sometimes during the group feedback, like, thank you, you've given me permission or that really resonates with me or would approach me outside of our group sessions and to say, you know, that thing that you said really stuck with me. I really relate to that. And so it's those other communications that help us. And I think that's what happened to me early on in that group. It helps us realize, oh, me sharing that stuff doesn't make me unlovable. It's actually the opposite. It, it helps. And I think Brene Brown has said, it's like mm -hmm. vulnerability is like the glue that holds us together or relationship or something like that. So yeah, it's so, so powerful, but hard to do. Yeah. So um, you mentioned sort of the ebb and flow of people coming in and out. Like in general, do you sort of have guidelines or rules around like how long someone's in the group work for or it really depends on the individual for now it depends on the individual I am moving towards creating more um structured so packages so that right so that people are committing to a combination of group and individual work for a period of time and that we have some understanding of what our goals are during that time that's what I'm moving towards. It's still going to have an organic flow to it. It's just how I run groups. It's, but it's going to give us a bit more of a framework. I think right now I will have people come in um, at certain points so that the group members that exist know they're not going to have somebody new showing up every or the possibility of it in every session, but I will let them know. And somebody who is coming into it knows that they're coming into a situation where people have been a little bit more established over time. And that that's part of what we work on is how does that feel? What comes up for you? So, yeah. Yeah. And I love that you kind of give um, the topics. I'm curious because just personally in my own experience of being in these, you know, the word containers kind of becoming less popular, but groups um, it's always been around a very specific shared objective of some sort. And so how much do you sort of curate the group to make sure, or, you know, in the hopes that it's as profound for everyone or, you know, like that, that's not the, like your common denominator of your personal group where, you know, it was like an inner critic. Everybody was particularly hard on themselves. 
Yeah, I think I do tend to attract in my practice overall people who are hard on themselves, have perfectionistic tendencies, um, struggle to put themselves first, that kind of thing. So I don't know whether that's just because that's been mine to work on and that's who I attract. And so when I put my groups together, I don't curate too, too carefully because there is kind of this natural um, sorting that seems to happen in my practice overall. But in terms of what people are going through, I would say typically my groups, I have people in their 30s to 60s in the group. Occasionally, I do have somebody younger join the group. Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, just because they're at like a different point in their lives when they're just getting launched. But there's a lovely thing that can happen sometimes, which is the younger people might represent more the children to some of the people in the group and they do some processing in that way. So it can be really powerful and helpful. In terms of content, sometimes somebody might be going through a divorce situation, whereas somebody else might be focusing on making some big changes in their career. So it can be um, content-wise sort of different, but there's a lot of overlapping emotional stuff that comes up when you're going through a big transition like that. So I think the the human overlap has just a much broader reach than some of these very specific focuses. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us maybe um, practices or techniques, rituals even that you have found really helpful in helping to create a safe and sacred space for people to sort of gradually open up? Well, I think part of the structure can help people feel safe. So I will, each person has a turn to share and I remind people that they can share whatever feels okay to them to share. They don't need to share any more. People could pass. I guess, honestly, I have not focused so much on, you know, saying if you don't want to share it all, you don't have to. That hasn't really seemed to be a thing but I often everybody everybody you work with like wants to share (laughs) well in the group they will share something but I might work with them often I'll work with them individually a bit too so we can process what Mm -hmm. came up with group so for example one of the people in my group hasn't shared what she does for a living that I think would be of interest to the group and I'm not gonna it's not mine to share. I'm not going to put her on the spot at all or anything like that, but I'm curious about it. And so when we have a chance to meet individually, I want to ask her about, well, what is that about? Is there something? So I think that their ongoing communication that happens separately can help people sort of feel ready to bring something to group or not. And they can also let me know where they're at and I can let them know what might be helpful to bring the group and what might not be helpful. Um, Somebody else shared with me that in group, um, her inner critic is kind of going and she is feeling a bit more like she's performing in group Mm -hmm. and that happens outside of group. So I want to support her in starting to, 
deal with that while it's happening as best she can, because that's going to help her work through it, which is scary. So this is going to be an ongoing communication separately with us. And we'll see, we'll see where she starts to bring things to group. So, um, yeah, I think maybe people will share more superficial stuff if they're not feeling ready to get into the deeper stuff. And I don't push for that unless there's something very specific that I've been working on with somebody that they know that's their um, crutch and that they really want to work on that. Then we'll make that transparent even to the group if that's where the person is and they're ready for that. Mm-hmm. So full circle, can you go back and think of, you know, was there something somebody said or a moment that that perspective, your perspective of, you know, you not needing therapy or your issues not being therapy worthy, um, you know, that you were willing to try it? Was it something somebody said? Yeah, it's actually what happened for me. Um, I used to smoke cigarettes at the time and I wanted to quit smoking cigarettes and the gym that I belonged to had a program that was included. You could join this program, which really turned out to be group therapy in a therapist's <laughs> office about cigarettes. So there was a certain level of safety because we were all speaking about that, the same One thing. thing. Yeah. There was a limit to how deep we would get. But we did talk about emotionally what came up for us. So it was a little entree into it that got me thinking, um, maybe I could try it. So that really was, for me, what was a turning point in this process. Mm, I love that. Like a little um, sampler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it did. It felt safe. It, I felt I really loved to be in that office. I really loved the conversations and... Yeah, I was really into it. <laughs> and did it help you quit smoking? Yeah, I quit smoking. And that was over 30 years ago now. So, yeah. Wow. Well, um, how can people work with you? What's the best, best way to be in touch? The best way to reach me really is through my website, um, which is my name. But to make it easier to remember, I have group with Tanya. So it's uh, group with T-A-N-Y-A and there's a free discovery session on my website so if somebody's interested in talking about group and how that could help them in particular with what they want to be working on I'm happy they can schedule for themselves on my website and I would love to chat about it beautiful any last little bit of, of wisdom about group therapy overcoming the fear maybe I just think there is a misconception that group could be a lesser product than individual Mm. work, that there's a sense that, oh, if it's just me and I'm the only one getting the focus and the attention, I can go further, I can get more done, it feels better. But I think there are things that happen within group that can't happen with individual. It can help you touch on unconscious things that you wouldn't necessarily bring to your individual session. But when you're hearing what's coming up for other people, and there are things that are either resonating really strongly for you, or you're feeling some sort of push with it, and you feel like a little triggered by it, it can be really powerful and helpful in your own process of starting to recognize some areas that need healing that you weren't even 
necessarily paying attention to. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll share all the information that you mentioned in the show notes. And I look forward to being in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really loved our conversation. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I would be really appreciative if you feel so called to to support the show by either subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform, leaving us a review, and passing this episode or another favorite episode on to a friend. I hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Sending you my love.